Welcome to the Humanise the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. Yeah, so the accountants to me, there's there's lots of their, them, lots of things for them to be doing from that transactional and that specialist advisory work. What we're doing is more of that forward-looking strategy and linking all aspects of the business back to the performance of the business, which is you know, in most cases is going to be measured through a financial scorecard of some kind. As the accountancy profession marches to more and more advisory work, whilst the technology takes over more and more of the compliance work, one of the key questions that accountants in practice are asking themselves is how do they engage with a business owner in a way that results in that business owner asking them to advise, to get involved in their business in an advisory way? This podcast with Rob Ball from Evoke shares his insights and his team's insights. He's got a team of 30 people acting as virtual FDs and Rob shares the insight into scope it's a framework around which him and his team ask questions to generate advisory work for his business let's dive into that podcast now to kick off with rob would you just give us a little bit of background about evoke yourself the history of the business and and the sort of clients you work with just so we can get a feel for who you are and what you do yeah sure and thanks paul for having me on this podcast so my name is rob bowl um, formerly, I was a, or still am a management accountant, but I've spent most of my employed career within big corporates. Um, so I spent some time in financial service firms like J.P. Morgan and a few other, you know, smaller brokerage firms in the financial market sector. And five and a half years ago, I um, set off to do my own thing. Wanted to go on my own entrepreneurial journey, and I saw an opportunity to take some of the best practice. Um, bits of running a business, especially from the kind of reporting and the financial focus that big companies have, I saw an opportunity to take that to SMEs and really work with SME companies to give them advice and support that they wouldn't necessarily have access to on a part-time basis, part-time flexible basis, Mm. being able to give them really strategic advice and support. Um, And that's really in the form of a part-time finance director or commercial director and it's someone someone that knows what they're doing, that the business can trust and can you know, crank up or down the interaction that they have with the business on an ongoing basis. And we're very much focused on helping move the business forward. So we talk to any of our business business clients, you know, whether it's the owner, the founder, the management team, you know, how can we help you move your business forward? And that could be just going for more profitable growth, could be scaling up going into different markets, different products. It could be looking at um, how to how to drive the financial performance of the business, as well as non-financial things. So linking the finance, the numbers, to anything from marketing, operations, process, systems, really anything that keeps the, the people running that business up at night. How can we help solve problems and make their life more easy, easier? So, and to me, that's moving the business forward. We could be looking at succession planning, exit how do you drive up the valuation it's a full package of stuff that we provide but trying to tie back everything to what's really important and and to me that's you know more money you know being able to extract more money out of the business attracting the best talent and making sure you've got the right work-life balance in the business you know people that we work with often get sucked into the 
sucked into the detail of the business working all hours mm. and it should really be you know you're building a business asset something to give you good cash now but also mm. building a business asset that at some point you can realize that additional value yeah and that's, that's what we strive to do what, what, what you're saying there resonates with um i don't know whether you're familiar with michael gerber and the emith revisited stuff but Ma- michael talks about um you know the point of being a business owner is to give yourself freedom not give yourself the worst job you've ever had in your life by working every hour God sends, taking no holidays, if you have a holiday, taking a work on holiday with you and so forth. Um, so it sounds as though you're in that space in terms of trying to create a, a good all-round human experience for the business owner. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, I love this phrase, you know, running a business never gets easier. People just get better at doing it. And if we can help people get better at running their business, that that's, that's what we're there to do. But it, it's trying to make it as as transparent as possible linking the the performance of the business covering any of those aspects mm. with the financial aspects and, mm. and making sure we're, we're driving towards a, a shared mm. purpose so how many in your team rob how, how many people uh, yes yeah, so we're, we're just coming up to 30 30 people on the team um and it's a mixture of people that you have know, been doing portfolio work i guess is what they describe it as you know working with a range of clients so people have been doing that for some time some people have gone from you know your good corporate roles, yeah. with big businesses, full time roles, and want to shift into that more flexible portfolio level of work, and and then we just got people that just want to do something a little bit different, um, and yeah, this is a good option for them, and it's it's not working for themselves in isolation, you know, it's working as part of a team, collaboratively trying to trying to solve problems in the SME business world. So yeah, 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 yeah. coming up to 30 people now. And, and are they all from a financial background? Is that the, the, the starting it, point, Rob? It's a combination of finance and commercial. And when I talk about commercial, it could be operational, could be a bit of marketing, but it, it's kind of rounded commercial knowledge about how you know, how to improve the performance of the business. Right. Uh, and and, and I, I just want to, if we can, pursue a conversation about this. Uh, the S, you know, we work with SMEs, a bit of a broad subject, SME. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I just want to get a feel for what the, what you consider to be an ideal type client that will give us a better perspective on, you know, who you work with and therefore the sort of conversations you like to have, which is what I'd like to dive into after that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, our, our core focus and I guess where we where we work best is that range of a couple of million turnover up to around 50 million, maybe 20 million, um, right. you know, below that. Um, potentially they're not ready for that strategic advice and input above that they might start having that more in-house and be less reliant on someone part-time yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but but yeah to us yeah what we're doing is getting them through the levels of growth from mm. probably probably what would be considered more the smaller end of sme into the medium size and then you need more of this stuff in-house yeah yeah but yeah. we also we also spend time working with um yeah pre-revenue early stage companies um, yeah, what what the team enjoys is the mixture of yeah, and I, I guess from from our perspective, you've got some bigger clients that can afford to pay for us, um, and and that's not an issue. Great, the, the companies that have got more of a challenge on cash, it's great to be able to add value, knowing that we we will get you know what we want later on. But it's mm. having that mix is is great, and I think a lot of the people that work for me with me love that mix of. Of companies, if you know, it, it gives gives a bit of diversity. Gives yeah, challenges. well, there's that variety is the spice of life. They say, don't they? So there's yeah, a, it's more sorry. of a you know, if you're too narrow, it can uh, feel a little bit um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, limiting, as opposed to uh, if you've got you know people who've got a, a good set of t-shirts in the cupboard from their past experience, they want to apply that to different styles, different types of issues, and different types of businesses. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very good, very good. So, uh, one of the uh, it sounds that some of the work you're doing is very much in the space that you'd expect a, 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 an accountancy firm to be working in. So I'm, I'm curious as to what, what, what happens in terms of the way you work with the businesses, the business owners and their accountancy firm. Is, is, there, is there links and connections there? How does that work? Yeah, and every, every business that we work with has an accountant. Of course. We're, not, we're not trying to do an accounting role. Mm. Um, and there's, you know, there's different levels. In my experience, there's different levels of accounting interaction a business needs um and there's different people to do those bits as well so if i think about very much the transactional role of an accountant you know, anything from bookkeeping financial control you know more of the process and transactional aspects of finance yeah yeah you know, that that's not us and some people would look to just have that in-house with a, yeah. with a with a finance team Others, others would outsource that, and that might be outsourced to an accounting practice if, yeah. if, if that's possible. Um, you then have, you know, the the important, you know, regulatory type side of things. So whether that's just statutory reporting, whether it's stuff related to tax, yeah, you know, all of those special specialities. Yeah, that's not us. You know, we're we're not looking to be a specialist in in those areas at all. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I've <laughs> I've got little patience and interest to be a tax expert but what we can do is be a good good go between the tax expert and an accounting practice Mm. and what the business is trying to achieve yeah Mm. we can help we can help with that conversation i think sometimes that conversation is more effective by having a general finance person involved because some of the language is is the same or, or can translate some of the language um yeah so the accountants to me there's there's lots of their them lots of things for them to be doing from that transactional and that specialist advisory work. What we're doing is more of that forward looking strategy and linking all aspects of the business back to the performance of the business, which is, you know, in most cases is going to be measured through a financial scorecard of some kind. Yeah. yeah. Whether that's, you know, profit margin, you know, the usual thing. Yeah. So, and, and what I, when I look at, when I think about that, and I, and I think, you know, lots of accountants want to be doing the more value-adding advisory work. It's not necessarily the same skill set. It's not necessarily the same personalities. You know, you, you, the, the kind of work we end up doing with companies, you, know, you, you, you in some cases, working with very ambitious entrepreneurs that are creatives, they're visionaries, they're, they're coming up with ideas and trying to implement things. And we're there to kind of support make sense of that and try and mm. formalize it in a plan and make sure it can be you know, you know, locked down as a plan co- communicated with the team and set some kind of parameters around what that looks like mm. you then have you know potentially founders that are a little bit you know reserved in their aspirations and we can help motivate them or say look you're doing a great job here why don't you do more you know you're, you're doing good what would great look like and really push the push the boundaries in terms of what they can do that takes quite a, you know, it's like an entrepreneurial, um, forward-thinking finance individual that's mm. not afraid to be a challenger or push the boundaries. Someone that's, you know, wants to be sat doing the more transactional side of accounting, it's not the same skill set. It's not the same comfort zone. And the conversation goes very differently. 
Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at the whole, the whole reach of accountants that you can have, there's different scales. And I think, you know, for, I think it's really challenging for accounting firms to attract the talent and have even have the talent and manage the talent that's needed to give that, you know, forward looking, um, forward looking strategic business advice that, yeah, yeah. that that's what we focus on. Yeah. Right. And as an example, I mean, from my, I often get asked, you know, if I've worked for a, yeah, I spent time working at a big bank like JP Morgan. People say, what's, what's that got to do with um, my SME business? Yeah. And to me, you know, an organization like JP Morgan is just broken up into whole smaller, smaller parts of the business, which are almost like SMEs. And yeah, what we're doing there is just trying to make sense of what's going on, help people run the business better. And it's not the same skill set. You know, you had people in finance that were very, very introverted and wouldn't like to leave the desk or, or do things. I was in a, I was in finance, but I'd be walking the trading floor, mm. talking to traders, trying to understand what what's going on in the business, what are the challenges they've got, how can we help from finance? You know, a lot of it was related to use of use of balance sheet, use of capital that the bank had available, and and how how different areas of the business could use that. It, it's quite a different conversation to being, you know, audit or or tax related. And to me, I think the big, big challenge in the accounting world is is trying to match the right skill set, the right personality, and also how people have been taught to do their job. You know, it's mm. different. It's different. And and that that's where I see the big difference there. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you. I think the, the, there's many a conversation over the couple of decades I've worked with accounting firms in this space around how, how do you bridge that gap? The skills, you call it talent, but skill talent gap in terms of that compliance regulatory accountancy approach to the one which is an advisory approach for want of a better label. Um, and, uh, and, and the advisory work tends to sit at the partner director level within the accounting firms and it's hard to scale you know they can't leverage it across the firm um and 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 and, or struggle to i mean some firms are tackling that and are making progress in that don't get me wrong but it's um it's as much about who you're recruiting as it is how you're training them Mm -hmm. so you get those two elements right and it's interesting you know conversations with firms that they are looking at recruiting a different style of person now than they were five years ten years ago um, and albeit, yes, they've got to provide audit services and payroll services and bookkeeping and so on. So there's still that need. But there is an acknowledgement and an acceptance that business owners, especially ambitious entrepreneurial style business owners, want more than just the nuts and bolts, which is what you specialise in. And a lot of accounting firms want to play a, a role in that space. Uh, but that's only going to work in a, in a scaled way if they've actually recruited the right people and trained them in the right way to do what's needed. But there's also this exp- experience piece as well. So by the way, you describe your people, Rob, you've got people who've got um, some you know, interesting T-shirts in the cupboard, if I can use that phrase, in terms of their background. So it's not just uh, recruit, talent, skill, it's also experience as well, isn't it? That, that must play a big role in, the, in, in influencing the type of people you bring into Evoke, or have I got that wrong? No, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, we've we've got lots of different talent on the team, and yeah, we often will, will say to a business, you know, clearly we've identified a need for some additional support in that in that finance commercial aspects of the business. But yeah, what is it? Is it is it sector experience? You know, is it 
is it a different personality? Is it someone that maybe maybe is more of that ambitious go-getter personality that's going to really drive the business forward? Or is it someone that needs to be a bit more of a steady, steady, um, steady hand to keep things calm and collective and and make sure people aren't you know, the business isn't trying to run before it's really got the the structure to do that. And that's that's different personalities and, and we're very keen to match the kind of emotional connection someone has with with you know, with with one of our people because if you do that you immediately are in the right zone to to give the kind of solid advice and be trusted as well mm. and get on with that person and understand where they're coming from um we we actually use a profiling tool to help us with that to make oh, really? sure that well matching we, the client up with the right person in your team yeah yeah all oh, right and, how, how and do you do that well, there's a profiling profiling tool that we use, um, which is it's called Perfect Teams, actually, um, right. which we use. And it's a, I like it because I'm not a psychologist, and a lot of these profiling tools are psychometric type things. This one designed by an engineer, um, and it's logical, so it makes sense to me, and right. I can normally normally <laughs> talk, talk about it quite easily. But it just, you know, it might be that we go look, we can tell a particular character type. And all we need to know is that's that character type and we're going to communicate with that person in a specific way. Yeah. It might be that we've got a management team that's all one character type or particular character types and they're missing something. So the profiling tool comes up with 12 characters, puts people in 12 different characters. And it's just trying to make sure there's a good balance of those 12. So that's why it's called perfect teams. Brilliant. And sometimes we'll, we'll go, look, you've, you've got too much focus. You know, in a technology company, you might have too many people that are your kind of real techie, logical, process-orientated people, which, which also sounds a bit like some accountants. Yeah, it does. What, yeah. They, what they actually need is someone that's a good communicator, mm. someone that can kind of run the team, has got, per, got good personal skills, yeah. and, and can also help them take a bit more risk. You know, go, look, you'll never – you've got a great technology product – you think it's great, but are you actually taking it to market and adapting to the feedback you're getting? Because, you know, technologists tend to, as an example, tend to hire technologists that are sure. like them because they like to chat to them. Yeah, It's yeah, not yeah. necessarily the best fit for, for a whole business. So, so if, if I hear you right, Rob, what are you trying to do there in terms of matching the, the right member of your team or members of your team to the client's team is uh, it's actually creating a balanced team that yep. is, is in the best interest of the firm yep. rather than putting another process person into a, a team that's already dominated by process yep. people. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, sometimes, and sometimes you can tell actually you, you need someone that's going to think alike because that's where they're at. Other times you go, do you know what? You need someone different to shake things up. You How know? do you determine which way to go with that one then, Rob? Um, well, I'd like to say it's really scientific, but it's, probably, <laughs> it's, a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a gut feel, I think. Yeah, when you When you start talking about yeah, if I'm engaging with a new business and I start asking questions about you know, the past, how they've got to where they are, where they're going, and potentially how they feel about that, you know, the pace of how they've achieved what they've achieved, is that, is that where they expected it to be or, or what's happened? Mm. You can sometimes gauge, well, actually, you need someone to try and boost, boost the energy or boost the, the speed at which you're doing things. So those are the kind of things I'd be using. Um, mm. But yeah, what's also useful is just to understand. Okay, you've you've got a very logical thinker there. Mm. You've got to explain the detail of the the finances. You've got to give them all the info so they feel they they get it and they can process it. 
you've got other people that are more, you know, more, more kind of visionary creatives, you know, people that maybe have shorter attention spans. You don't want to go through the detail. You just want to give them a, yeah, a very, a very simplified dashboard of what's going on. Mm. And I, I used to have this working in, in, in my you know, previous life, you know, you walk around trading floors and you've got people that are kind of your algorithm focused traders that are all about the detail. Then you've got, sales traders that you know, have got 30 seconds of attention then you're gone you lost it and it's just making sure you can adapt to that yeah. and what people want from finance is is someone that gets them and the business and can be that partner and the quicker you can interact with with that person you're going to be supporting you can build that bond and you've got that ongoing what i like to call sticky relationship which which then is great because you're 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 both you're aligned you're you're helping to drive the business and and work towards these goals and yeah to me that's 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 really really important it sounds you're making a big play having mentioned you know you talk about emotional connections and you know yes talk talk to the business owner about the the business leadership team about the history and how they feel about where they've got to so that it sounds like the conversation pieces you're having are as, as as much an emotional conversations there are as there are they are a financial conversation is have i have i understood that right yeah, def- yeah, definitely. And I'll, I'll be honest, that's actually probably the side of what we do that I enjoy the most. Um, I think working with, with entrepreneurs, um, people that have gone off to do their own thing, um, running a business, and yeah, that, that's really who we're working with. It's entrepreneurs in, a, in the SME world. I love to just find out why they, why, they, why they did this. Why are they doing this on their own? What are they looking to achieve? Mm. And sometimes it's not the obvious it's you know in some cases you've got people that just want to prove a point or they they feel they're un, unemployable or they've just got an ambition to to do something unless you know what that is and you 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 know you're thinking about you know where do you want to be in 3 and 5 years time mm. unless you can understand where they want to get to and, and also why mm. it's very hard to me to align the advice that we can give and and that's really important for us. And you know, you, you have people that have, I guess, the, you know, the the pressures that anyone running a business has is multi-dimensional. You know, you you mm. could go right. Everything is is very business orientated. You know, what what's the challenge of running a business? Mm. It's okay. We've we've you know we've got cash flow issues. We've got payroll coming up. We've we've lost a big client. We think we might lose a client. We're not winning as much business, or yeah, all those things. But you know, it could be that you know there's there's certain issues going on in their family life that's actually causing a problem. And often that can be something like, you know, we've you know rather than being a, a business cash flow issue, it's well actually I'm I'm not going to be able to take so much money out of the business this year. Therefore, the holiday that I was planning, we haven't got the budget for, and I've got to got to tell my other half and family that we've downgraded our, yeah, yeah, our yeah. budget that is actually probably sometimes more of a more of an issue than other things and if you understand that you can go okay well let's 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 figure out how you know to not let that happen again you know yeah. you're, you're, you're running the business you know often i say to people you know you've got to look after yourself first you sometimes got to pay yourself first and and that often puts someone in a much better position to then come back in and run the business because they're in the better mindset. They're not being distracted by these other things that that go on in their lives. And I think that to me 
is 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 super important, especially when it comes to exit. You know, you know, when I, when we talk to companies about exiting the business, so why you know why do you want to exit? And often people are like I don't know, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it feels like the right thing to do. Um, and it's like, okay, but what does an exit mean? You know, are you just looking to have a load of cash in your bank account? Are you looking to semi-retire? You know, what are you looking to do? And often people haven't thought that through. Mm. And I don't know about you, but you, you've met, I've met a number of people that have retired almost early because they could afford to and just been bored. And then they go and start up another business or they go and do something else or they spend all the money quicker than they thought. And it, you know, to me, it's, it's, you know, just questioning these things. You know, if someone says to me, I want to exit the business in two years, I think the business is worth that. I'd, my first response is to challenge that. And why, why do you want to exit in two years? Why do you think the business is worth that? Why do you need that amount of money? Why, you know, and, and to me, as soon as you start ticking, ticking some of those, those bits of a thought process, you can then start giving the the rounded advice, which isn't isn't just accounting. It's 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 far far for you know far far more than that. Well, um, like you say, it, it's you know it's as much personal as it is business. It's as much emotional as it is financial. There's yeah. that there's that blend. But it's interesting. You pick one of my favourite words in terms of actually, and to use your company name, evoking a challenging conversation. Mm. In there, there will be emotion. And there will be conflict, mm. and it sounds as though you 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 actually go hunting for that mm. to just yeah. sense check what where they're at and what they're doing and 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 why. And sometimes they don't know, do they? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I had a recent example. Um, we had um, we we've 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 got experience, and I've got a keen interest in um, companies transferring ownership to employees. Yeah, right. through, and that can be through various schemes. I noticed you got someone on your team in that space specifically, yeah. Didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, quite interested we, in that. <laughs> and we've we've got more experience there as well now. And to me, yeah, you know, the ultimate employee ownership that people refer to is John Lewis. You know, you've yeah. got this partner based model. And you know, for SMEs it's a nice option to look at. And yeah, a few people that are looking to exit, it's like, well, I need to leave the business. I want to release some equity. I'm going to sell the business. Yeah, you go, well, actually, it'd be considered employee ownership and transfer of ownership to employees. And there are certain things about that that make a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, you can leave a legacy. You can, you know, because your, your business is going to hand, be handed over to your employees and you can have that in a direct or indirect ownership. Yeah. And if you if you go down the indirect ownership through what's called an employee owned trust, yeah, you you can you can get market value for your business mm. t- tax free, and you're in control of the process. Um, and yeah, we we've worked with a, a number of businesses that are essentially consultants, you know, like architects, for example. You know, the asset is the people. You know, how much are you going to get for that business if someone buys it? Yeah. If you transfer ownership to the employees, you're locking in that value with the business and you're giving back to your employees. And it, it works really well. It ticks a load of boxes. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I always kind of encourage people to think about all the options as to why, how and when and why they might exit. But then I, I, we also came across a client that had gone down this route and they'd heard about EOTs and they'd gone to the, the, their accountant and said, um, we want to set up an EOT. And the accountant set up an EOT. And, and I said, why? Why do you want to do an EOT? And it, 
within half an hour, we'd identified they didn't need an EOT. It wasn't going to do what they wanted. And that was a, a waste of time yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and money yeah, yeah. in terms of, so to me, it's all about just asking those questions and, and drilling in, you know, to find out exactly why someone's trying to do what they're doing or, or, you know, are they actually being honest with themselves yeah. about what they really want? So and then in, we can start advising around that. Yeah. In simple terms, Robert, is it is it is the value that you deliver to your clients? Is it actually revolving around the quality of questions you ask them? Then, I, I, yeah, I think that's probably probably a fair fair point. Yeah, I think the the questions that you ask and yeah, and it, yeah, you don't want to just sit there just drilling drilling someone to death with questions. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I guess what I've been able to do over the last you know five and a half years of doing this. Is is try and build an understanding of the kind of questions to ask that that gets you to a point quite quickly that you've you've got to the the crux of what you're trying to solve. Brilliant. Um, which is is often a you know a, a multi dimensional problem, which is a bit of business, it's a bit of finance, it's a you know sometimes I feel like we're we're actually counsellors rather than actually uh, business advisors, but yeah, a lot of a lot of people running a business you find it quite lonely for some of these discussions and don't often have that trusted person to go and talk to Mm. and i i like to think that's what we're there for we're there to be that trusted person to talk about you know whatever whatever it is yeah um yeah so have, have you distilled what this question formula or framework looks like is that if that's where the value lies and that's where the you know the powerful conversations lie and the your ability to help your clients achieve what they want to achieve what what have you done to distill that that question framework or formula um well there's one there's one there's one process that we go through actually quite early on in in what we do um which we call the um the scope a scope exercise so we we say to a to a business look one of the first things we want to do is is look at the full scope of your business, and right. we've got what's called an acrostics. If you've ever heard of an no, acrostics. no, no, this is new to me. Go on. So, an acrostics is where you've got a word um, like scope, right? And every letter in scope stands for something we do. So, it's just a it's a handy way to remember something. But yes, this is something we've come up with. So, when I say that we look at the whole scope of the business, um, we look at the strategy. So S for strategy. Yeah. So, you know, what what's that business doing? What markets is it playing in? What kind of customers does it have? Everything around strategy we'll yeah. start talking about. Yeah. C stands for controls. So we'll start looking at financial controls, non-financial controls. You know, what what are they looking at? What are they what are they measuring? You know, yeah. how do they how do they know when they've had a good day? Yeah. A, a good week, a good month. Yeah. That's that one of my, that's my next question to you, actually, Rob. So before yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then O is O is for opportunities. You know, having having a third party person come into a business with a fresh pair of eyes, no baggage, no history, not afraid to ask a question, is you you just identify opportunities by just mm. just asking what what sometimes appears to me to be a stupid question. Someone goes, "That's brilliant." I'm like, "Okay, I didn't." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, of course, of course, I'm brilliant. Or you know, <laughs> um, but it, it surprises me. But you know, you're so, some people are so close to the detail, and they've got yeah. all this baggage and headspace around where they're at. You know, yeah. you can quite quickly identify opportunities. Yeah. 
And then P P of scope. I'm still going through this acrostics, Paul. So there you I've go. got it. I've, I'm on it. I'm on it, bro. Got it. So, <laughs> so uh, process and procedure is for the P. So yeah, what processes are there? What procedures? You know, how much of the business is systemized? What kind of things do you have in place around that? Yeah. And then finally, the E is a bit of a cheat. It's everything else. You know. So <laughs> what? What else? What else is is yeah? What yeah? I'll often ask. Okay, so you know. What else is keeping you up at night? What else is what else is causing you grief? And um, you know, it's is anything else around you know succession, um, problematic people. Um, yeah, some people run businesses and they got people that they just hate working for them, and yeah. so we just deal with it. You know, let's yeah, yeah, let's yeah. sort that out. Let's yeah. let's get get some proper HR advice and deal with the situation. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, that to me that's it. The scope is mm. a great framework framework to to work with and often we you know we, we someone might approach us and say we want a finance director and we go okay well the first thing we're going to do is we're going to profile you <laughs> and then we're going to do this scope review and wow. you you do this and you, you haven't even spoken about you know what an fd might do yeah um but to me an fd an fd or commercial director how we engage on that part-time basis should be so close to the strategic view of the business that they could come in and run the business. If you know, I say we say to our people, you know, if you're not in a position to to take over running the business, you're probably not close enough to what's going on. Yeah, um, and you probably haven't simplified the aspects of running a business that you can do that. Mm. Um, so yeah, that that's one thing. But but also, you, you know, you've got to be embedded with it, with every aspect of the business to be able to add value. And mm. the strategic stuff that we do, you know, it's not something you do every day. You know, you don't need someone at that level in the business, the size we're talking about every day, because yeah. there's just physically not enough strategic thought to be done. Yeah. Um, but it's being there to, to be that sounding board, to be a sense check. We often often get random calls because something's gone wrong, but also something's gone really well. And they yeah. just yeah, you know, someone's really chuffed to talk about it. And, yeah. You know, generally isn't a a, a, a it's generally not a, a an accounting transaction they talk about unless the, the unless the HMRC suddenly turned up on their doorstep or something. Yeah, yeah. Or they just received a tax rebate. That's very large. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, you yeah. know, these these are the little wins that we like to you know, because you know, no one really gets. You know, yeah, you can have great profit, and you can be pleased about that. But it's normally the more, the more tangible things in a business that people get excited about, and and you know, like to enjoy. It. Yeah, we need to connect with that and make yeah. sure that we're aligned with that because that's yeah. the important bit. Brilliant. So, how how do you know you've had a good week then, Rob, or a good month, or a good half year? What's how do you determine uh, the success of your business? Um, well, I, so I guess one way is, uh, so we, we started this and compared what we were drinking. So I, I decided to have a glass of red wine. So <laughs> if, yeah, but if, it's eight o'clock in the morning, Rob. You can't yeah. go there. No, that's a well, fib. It's not. It's late so afternoon Friday. So. We're free, yeah, Friday, middle afternoon. So yeah. if that's the first point of the week, I've, I've needed to have a glass of wine. Middle that's of the a good day. week. That's, that's a good week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's stress-free week. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of performance, well, what, what, yeah, how, so, how do you... I mean, for me and, and my business, I, I, you know, I've I've got ambitions to to grow the business. We we've, we've got capacity on the team at the moment. We've got the ability to to take on more people and have capacity. So I'm focused on 
number of calls I'm having with companies, which right. are initial calls, so you know, a kind of fact-find call, and how many of those lead on to a, a more strategic discussion where I've identified that actually I think we can help. Yeah, and we, yeah, should, yeah. we should have a further discussion. Can, can so I just my, drill into that, Rob? Just, yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to how many, say the fact find goes well, from that moment to them going, yes, you're now working with us, how many points of contact, how many deep interactions are there between you, you your team and your clients that end up being clients? Yeah, I have to say it varies. It really varies. Right. And I think, and I, I actually had this conversation with someone earlier in the week. I think everything that we do is is timing specific mm. i think no one no one wakes up on a particular day and says you know the one thing i need today is a finance director you know no one <laughs> no one says that um if they do i'm happy to talk to them of course no one says that uh, some things normally happens or something's got to the point where they need to do something and that's where we we try and be front of mind so you know i might have an initial call with someone and i've already identified there's something we can help with right there and then mm. and then it could be quite a quick thing so just thinking about the last couple of weeks you know i've had calls on a monday as a you know 30 minute call wednesday we've had a more detailed discussion the following week we're we're engaged and we're doing something that's right. great other times it could be 6 months 12 months but we we just try and keep front of mind to go, okay, right. we can't help you at this point. I would always try and add some value. And you know, some people just aren't ready for us at the moment. And but I could give them some tips as to what they could go and do. Um so what we then do, try and do is just keep front of mind. So how do you do that then? Um well yeah, it's a good question. So we probably don't do it well enough, to be honest, and mm. it's something we're always trying to improve on. Um, but we, you know, we, we have people on a mailing list. Um, we have people that we, you know, through, through CRMs that we, through our CRM, we will set reminders to touch point. Right. Um, yeah. There's a number of things that we do to touch point. And what we try to do is, is, is do those touch points in different ways. So it's not just sending, sending a standard thing. We're trying to put some effort into, into what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we have we we have a, f- a few sources of of info um, that that give us information about you know what what's happened in the SME world. So companies that might have raised investment, they might have won, won awards or various things, news that might be relevant in a sector. Yeah. We would we would pick up on that and try and share it with someone and say, look, um, saw this and thought of you. Thought of you. Yeah, it's a brilliant yeah. it's a brilliant strategy. That is, if you can make it personal, it's a brilliant yeah. strategy. That. And yeah, sometimes we'll then just do a, a bulk email out as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And one of the other things we do, we 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 do a lot of webinars. Um, right. And yeah, we've, I mean, for me, for us as a business and and generating opportunities, it's, it's it has been very much hit and miss about how successful they've been. But again, mm. it's about it's about timing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The more um, the timing, a, a webinar topic or a particular thing will catch someone's eye, mm. and they'll go, "Do you know? What? I want to join that, or I want to mm. come to that." So we just try and run them you know, fairly regularly. At points, we've done one once a week, other points once a month, mm. and sometimes in between. But it's trying to come up with a topic that's particularly relevant and useful mm. where we can you know, add some value, um, you know, get people to, to hear us talk. Um, we, we try and make a lot of the stuff we do, especially in this current world environment we're in, um, to make any of the our online discussions interactive. 
Yeah. Um, one one we did a little while ago, we had uh, well, we had a webinar. I think we had about 140 signed up, which is good for us. Um, about 50 of them turned up, which yeah. is again normal. Yeah. Um, and what we did, we had some content, we had some some kind of punchy talks about things that we thought were relevant, and then we had a breakout discussion. So on Zoom, which we generally use, you've got this this breakout the breakout, breakout rooms. Function. Yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. And we we had everyone broken into rooms of four people with one of my my part time directors in each room. Yeah. And everyone suddenly got twenty minutes. Just three other business owners and a really experienced director facilitating a discussion about the topics we talked about. Yeah. And, and that's great. And it's a way to add value and, and, and have that FaceTime with people mm. um, and actually go, we, yeah, we're not just on a webinar. We've actually kind of reached out and said, right, we're going to have a little chat with you. Yeah. It's more personal, it. isn't it? You've, you've, yeah. you've, you've made that emotional connection because you've limited yeah. the breakout room to four. And, yeah. uh, and we've been experimenting with different size breakout rooms and concluded that, when you've got three, four, five people plus the facilitator, um, yeah. and even if there's no facilitator, that's still there's it's the it's a number that works in a fifteen minute, even a ten yeah. minute sometimes, but 10, 15, 20 minute window. Yeah, yeah very good. And I think I think one of the big challenges at the moment we've all got is, and I've I've noticed this in terms of as time has gone on. I think everyone, myself included, we've become we think we're experts of multitasking and we're really not at all. And, you know, if, if there's the myth, if there's an hour webinar, I think the, the, that one I referred to, I think it was 90 minutes. So mm. it was a couple of 20 minute presentations, breakout wrap up, and then, you know, another kind of conversation as well. So it's 90 minutes and, you know, actually to not do anything else for 90 minutes, if you went to an event and you were sat in an auditorium you would do that. You might look at your emails occasionally on your phone, but that's it. You'd you'd be there. Yeah. But yeah, you'd, you'd be fully engaged, people, wouldn't you? Yeah, fully engaged. You've got, you've got people doing their emails, doing whatever they're doing, picking up phone calls. And it's like, you know, if you actually want to you know, for me, what I find what's frustrating is these people I I believe were giving valuable content. And actually if they if they just focused on it, yeah. it would be more useful to them. But no one's no one's like that. And I think one of the things about Zoom or or you know doing everything in on zoom is people multitask they don't just go right i'm not going to look at anything else i'm just going to focus on this yeah and i think that's a real shame because yeah. actually i think having having you know that 30 minutes an hour 90 minutes out of not looking at anything hmm. turning off all your alerts and whatever hmm. actually gives you some headspace hmm. and it, you, even if you don't if you're not focused on that content in the webinar Mm. you'll start thinking about things that you haven't had a chance to think about. And yet there might be a little nugget in the webinar that triggers something off. And I, I think people that, that can't do that, they're missing a trick. And mm. I'd, I'd love to think, you know, the content that we deliver is so, so engaging. Everyone's fully focused, but yeah, it's not, yeah, it's yeah, not it's, the case, but it's also interesting that that one we did, you know, I said, you know, I, I hosted the webinar and I said, right, we're going to break. We, and it was said, we're going to have breakout discussion. You know, so be prepared. As soon as we did that, we had at least 10 people drop off. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you're not, if you're not prepared to talk about your business and 
the useful things we're talking about, then then yeah, you've you've got a problem. You need to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but it's not your problem, Rob. So it's yeah, okay. It's, yeah, exactly. but, but you know, yeah. like any event, there's twenty percent of the people in the event are really up for it. Twenty percent are really not up for it, and the other sixty percent will play the game depending on how well you create the game. It sounds as though you're creating a good game there. So yeah, no, uh, exactly. So wh- wh- where did the name Evoke come from then? That's a good question, actually. And you said earlier, you actually referred to Evoke, and I thought I should remember that, and I can use that. <laughs> um, so in, in truth, I, I like, I like the, the concept of evoking people's thinking or, or challenging the status quo. I like that. And it, so I, I wanted something like that in the name. And I, if I'm completely honest, I think I was sat there when I was looking to set my own thing up looking at company company names that are available and evoke with a glass of wine in your hand exactly probably was yeah <laughs> probably probably a bottle by then um, and yeah evoke evoke management was was available and i thought well, that would do right um, and that and, and that's what we've got well, I, I find it an interesting word especially in the context of this conversation and, and the number of times you've referred to connection emotions feelings you know if you can evoke a higher level of feeling in the people that you're working with, whether it be your team or your clients, then actually you've, you've, you've done something of value, you know? Yeah. And if that's when you've been contracted in and, and paid to do something, or whether it's in a challenging conversation, which might not generate anything in particular, you know, your, your, your words, you know, you deliver value, whatever dialogue you have with anybody, it's yeah. uh, let's chip something in um, yeah. and evoke a response. Um, yeah. And if, uh, if we're not asking decent enough questions to evoke a response, then we're not, we shouldn't be paid, should we? Yeah, no, exactly. And that's that was exactly where the name came from. So, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, on that note, I think that's a good place to stop. I've really enjoyed the conversation, Rob. Thank you for taking time out. It's the, um, you know, for me that, uh, and, and, and I've been in this space with accountants for a long time. So, look, just ask better questions, will you? Mm. Ch- challenge your clients a little bit more. Don't take things for red. Because often, you know, that it's um, that's where the value lies, and and you definitely confirmed that on this call. So, um, thank you very much. Really appreciate your, uh, your your input today. Thank you. No, you're welcome, and I've enjoyed it as well. So, thanks, Paul. You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Work Papers, Advanced Track, Satago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.